Welcome to Inkwell, a podcast from Houston, Texas, for anyone engaged in the world of reading and writing. Inkwell is brought to you by Tintero Projects, which showcases the work of national and international Latinx and Latin American writers through readings and workshops, and Enprint, a literary arts nonprofit which, since 1983, conducts readings, workshops, and other programs to promote creative writing and reading and supports writers. Inkwell hosts Jasmine and Lupe Mendez, writers, educators, activists, and founders of Tintero Projects, will interview emerging and established writers from across the United States with energy, wit, and fresh perspective on what it means to ink well in this day and age. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Inkwell, uh, a collaborative podcast between uh, Tintero Projects and Imprint. And uh, we are in the lovely cottage office of its executive director, who lets us borrow the space to do the interviews, um, uh, Jasmine Mendez, who will say hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Uh, and and uh, so Jasmine told me that I should stop making the mansion jokes. And so I'm going to stop making the mansion jokes. And someone gave us feedback that we need to be nicer to each other. So this is our so. attempt at trying to be nicer to one another. <laughs> we'll uh, still have the lovely banter, but I just don't get to be as rude. I anymore. care about you. I love you. <laughs> I, I spit flowers and cupcakes. I feel, to- I feel totally left out. <laughs> And sure, that, that sure, voice. You're sure glad you both are bonding. <laughs> and, and that, that folks, guest. is the voice of our guest, uh, Tony Diaz. Tony, say hi. Hi. <laughs> we love you too. We love you too. Um, and so, uh, to start off the show, uh, there's a lot of stuff that that's gone on, like in real world time. Um, uh, the and I never know what AWP actually stands for. It is the Association of Writers and Writing Programs, which is where I just came back from yesterday. It was held in Tampa this year, lovely, lovely Tampa. Although it was a lot colder than what we were expecting, hashtag global warming, and um, <laughs> so we were not prepared for that necessarily. But it was it was a really good time. Um, probably the best conference I've been to so far, to be very honest. Uh, it's only my third year going. To be completely transparent, I'm not one of those. I've been going. For 25 years kind of people I just started attending. I went to the one in LA, which was lovely. Uh, the one in DC, which was really, really cold. And then Tampa. Um, and I will say, I think, cause I've learned a lot about like what to go to, what not to go to, <laughs> <laughs> what panels might actually, you know, I might enjoy. And so it was a great time. Plus I know a lot more people now, um, having done like different fellowships and residencies, writing residencies. And so it was just like a big reunion. Like you just go to hang out with your friends from the East coast, the West coast, um, North, South everywhere. And so it was a lot of fun. Um, still some things that could Get better. So the only question I have is, did now you bring? Now it gets good, right? <laughs> so this is the part. Now we did a show. And <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, equal the cheese Michelle. Yeah. Um, so did did you bring me back any books? I didn't buy anything. And that's our because show because I'm pregnant. <laughs> that's our show. And we're being nice to each other. I didn't want to carry a whole big old suitcase back of heavy books, but I did personally get your Ada Limon book signed yes. with your name only yes. in the dedication where she signed it. Because that's the I way a picture of it, life should be. Of, of what happened. And then when I saw how beautiful Ada Limon was, I was like, oh, this is why he wanted me to bring this one book to <laughs> nah, the conference. fake news. Signed just to you. <laughs> no, signed gorgeous, just to so. <laughs> Stop fanning the flames, Tony. Um, so, well, yeah. so, so you did have a good a good experience. I had a really good time. Saw a lot of people. Um, got some books signed. I 
met Rita Dove and Patricia Smith, who are like some of my idols in the literary world. Um, so and that was all the African American <laughs> poets there. The- yeah, that's. <laughs> oh, now, now we're getting into the good now stuff. Now we're into the good stuff. So, yeah. and now to, to kind of like put the, yeah. spread some love around. Um, in terms of the the work that that's happening at ADBP, the importance of like being able to be out there, yeah. uh, not only show face but represent a your region, b your city, c your writing craft. Yeah. But there's also sometimes the things that AWP does need to work on, and one of them one of them is representation across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if anybody's interested, uh, Jasmine did put out a blog about a problematic. Uh, ending of a reading that occurred on Saturday night. night. Um, And I will say, I mean, I feel like they have taken some pretty large strides with being a little more inclusive and diverse and all those buzzwords that we use to basically just mean, hey, people of color are real and we write things and include us, right? Um, But yeah, there's always room for improvement. Um, There's also a lot of talk of just like their their lack of inclusivity um, for like the disabled writers and accessibility and no disabled representation and that kind of a thing. So, um, yeah, I did put out a blog post on my website, jasminemendez.com. Um, Jasmine with two N's and an E. Don't look up Jasmine Mendez <laughs> with one E. I mean, with, with one, one N, N because that's... Don't distract me. What the heck? <laughs> that's, that's a cochinada. Don't no, be... Don't be it's, she it's, has a different profession that is not mine. <laughs> I will say that much. It's... Yeah. Um, so, so switching gears because we want to make sure that we, that we have time for all of the things that are amazing. Um, so our topic for to start off with is the balancing act. Like that's what we do as we do the show as well is how do we balance um, both the writing that we do with all the other things that that we focus in on as well. And I think even having Tony on the show with us is like a prime example of what that looks like successfully. I would say it's successful. Um, and the fact that he literally, I don't know how many emails went between us just to schedule this <laughs> yeah, podcast. Yeah. And, and it's we're like, so, so busy. Well, and it's like the, the, the balancing act of what that looks like in terms of like L a self care, you know, B the writing life, C <clears throat> day kids, jobs, day jobs, kids, all of that. Like, what does that take in Activism. order to do those things? Uh, the lines that sometimes blur between our craft and art and and politics, and what does that like look like, right? So, like, I don't know your take on on how that occurs for you on a daily basis. I feel like I don't have the right to speak on that because I only work a part time job. Oh, uh, that's right. Uh, you can say she's coming out, creating, yeah, like, she's creating life within her. Yeah, she's got two books and, and a baby. So yeah. I think it's okay. I mean, okay. I think you, you have to find the rhythm. And that works for you. I always feel like people want like the magic like recipe <laughs> for how to make this work. And I think it's all very individual. Like we've talked about this. You write at night. I write in the morning, you know. And so like I have to, if I'm going to get something done and I know I have a busy day with teaching or doctor's appointments or, you know, planning for Tintero projects or whatever it is, like then I'm up at six in the morning and I will write from six to eight, even if it's just those two hours that I get all day because then I got to get up, change, go to the doctor, fight traffic, do all the things. Um, and I just know that I'm better at writing in the morning when I don't have to be anywhere then I can get up at eight and you know write from like eight get to up eleven. at eight whereas you're so much better at like coming home and like from like seven to three a.m but r- your doctor's writing. appointments are serious stuff though yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. because I think yeah. people who are not uh worried about health they may hear that and think okay 
occasional doctor, but this no. is a very serious no, this stuff for you. this is like once a, a week. Aside from I, having the baby, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got regular other health issues. So, of course, I'm always like, at least once a week, like right after we leave here, we have a doctor's appointment. <laughs> That's <laughs> so true. It's once Aww. a week, if not every other week, I've got one or two doctor's appointments that, yeah, take up time. They're not super close to my house. So Houston traffic is a hot mess. And all of that has to be like planned for and time adjusted. And so, you know, I really just, I find my blocks of time throughout the week, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., 7 a.m. to, you know, 9 a.m., whatever it is to like write and, and do I things. I find it like, I not that I compartmentalize. I'm finding I that do. in these last few years, <laughs> um, especially with the turn of, of turn of events, the the, the way the, the country's moved and shifted, I finally found Trump. Uh, Trump. Um, that in the last <laughs> in the last two two three years, especially coming into my forties, that all the things that I had originally compartmentalized, like my writing life, my teaching life, my activism life, all of that shit has now yeah. melded in together in ways that I was not expecting. And now I don't feel like I need to compartmentalize and I'm not worried about what that is. And I can actually start adjusting and addressing all the things that are happening, A, out of necessity, but B, as a form of like the muse that's out there that's you know, working through the the craft and my daily life. I think that for me, that that's what it's, what it's turned into. And with it, it's, I think it's a successful way of doing the work because now I'm not, you know, having to look from this hour to this hour, I'm only writing about X, Y, Z. No, I've actually shifted gears. And now the things that I'm working on with my craft, I bring into my classroom and the things that I'm working on with the kids are the things that I'm writing about. And those are now the the political issues of the day. Like right. there's an urgency. To there's an the, urgency to, to writing, all this work. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, yeah. I think we're, whereas before I used to wonder like, how do people who only write and have, you know, melon grants and, and, you know, like NEA grant, like how do they function but, with but all that? We shouldn't right? make, we should make light of that in that right. there are no, yeah. 1% of people who by race, class, and privilege right. can be just writers. Right, right. That, that ain't happen for maybe the baby inside you. I, I mean, <laughs> let's bust our butt right, to so make that sure baby that girl Amen. can grow up just to create brilliant whatever she Art, wants. Yeah, whatever it is. That ain't us. The, right. And, and now there are people who can, but not us, and we shouldn't either. Because, I mean, I think the fact that we have the cultural capital to decide yeah. Mm -hmm. What we do or don't mm -hmm. is powerful, but we got citizenship privilege, we got educational privilege, right. yeah. and it's powerful because we've carved out these yeah. spaces, and right? I, and I think too that those people, so a lot of those folks, at least people of color, writers of color that I know, that get like a grant or a residency, it's like a block of time. Like they get like those four <laughs> weeks, and then they got to go back to their job, yeah, 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 and then yeah, they got to, yeah, yeah. you know, and so they like they take advantage of those little four weeks in the woods, do all that they can, and then go back to their you know, their, their adjunct position or their full-time tenure track position, but they're still like, I got bills. <laughs> you know, they're and not. Those, well, you know, you know so. those things I think like, add to both of your points, I think like that's that's part of the reason, A, why we're able to do, especially today's show, to talk about what that that looks like. Mm -hmm. um, and then B, to, to celebrate when we do get these grants or when we do have yeah. any of, that means that any of the publications, any of the, the performances that we are able to do, like those are moments to celebrate that level of craft because it takes heart and soul to do all these things and put it out there because they're necessary. And it's another job. I mean, you're, you're writing, job, right? you know, 
you're passionate about it, but you have to find those other 40 hours in the week or in your life to right. like dedicate to. Well, as the things. ground moves beneath us too, because I mean, as as we get towards the 20th anniversary of Nuestra Palabra, what is this thing we're doing? What is this? This is like... <laughs> It's just that cosa, no? it's like high tech yeah, right. Aztecs. Right, like, right, right. Is this? Are we reading? We're not doing guerrilla theater. Right. This, yeah. is, like, this is a podcast. Yeah, okay? yeah. That's just nuts. And, um, and so it's like, how does you know what is the shifting win, and how do we advance, and how are we moving forward? Like I would say too, to that point, like we've gone from a show like. The, the live shows that we've done for Nuestra Palabra to then the radio show to then us being able to do the full podcast that that's equal. Like all of these things like have been coming from, you know, we, we stand on the shoulders of, of elders and giants and yeah. being able to do And this years work. and years of other people's hard labor and just two people doing 45 jobs, which is still happening. But, um. <laughs> <laughs> but now with a little yeah. more of a guidebook kind of deal, right? Yeah. So um, we're going to take a- One quick fire, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we should mention that in the midst of that, University of New Mexico Press, yeah. which publishes Echo in Texas, um, I found out about it because uh, – Denise Chavez posted something about it online. She wrote a letter to the editor to the University of New Mexico president to try and stop them from basically closing down University mm-hmm. of New Mexico Press, wow. which I, I barely caught an inkling of it when I was, I'm teaching Mexican American literature this semester and I assigned at Chuentejas and the students couldn't get it. Oh. And now I realize why. So I bring it all up because we still I mean, have is, to pay. This it. is all still, you know, we are still swashbucklers, right. you know, mm-hmm. uh, stuff is, Changing and we gotta change with it, right? Yeah. Or 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 get consumed or, or subsumed by something or else, right? Um, so that's that that's gonna be our show today. Um, we'll take a little quick break for the jingle and switch gears so we can get into the interview and, and come uh, back with a full intro of uh, Tony Diaz, our third voice on the show today. And we're back. All right, so full introductions. Uh, our guest today is Tony Diaz, um, writer, activist, and professor. Tony Diaz, a.k.a. El Libro Traficante, was the first Chicano to earn a Master's of Fine Arts degree from the University of Houston's Creative Writing Program. Take a moment and clap in your car or in your house. For and that. hoop and holla, y'all. That deserves that's, that's a massive. Thing. That's a thing. He earned his Bachelor's degree in communications from DePaul University in Chicago uh, to fan out in Chi-Town. What's up? And is currently a professor of Mexican-American literature and rhetorical analysis here in Houston, Texas. Uh, Diaz is also a political analyst on What's Your Point, which airs on Fox 26 KRIV here in Houston. Uh, a radio host for the weekly bilingual radio program Nuestra Palabra Latino Writers Having Their Say, which covers Latino literature, art, and politics. On our Pacifica KPRT, KPFT uh, 90.1 FM station here in Houston. He is an essayist with work that appears in the Houston Chronicle, the Texas Observer, CNN.com, the Los Angeles Times, and the Huffington Post Latino Voices, among others. He wrote the novel The Aztec Love God and is included in Echo en Texas, the anthology of Texas Mexican writers. He recently launched the column The Cultural Accelerator to address issues that other publications don't address in a unique style and point of view. Lastly, Diaz made national and international 
national news when he led the Lipotraficantes in defying Arizona's ban on Mexican-American studies, which is no longer banned, yeah. uh, but still looking, you know, trying to figure what that exactly looks like. By leading veteran members of Nuestra Palabra to organize the 2012 Lipotraficante caravan to smuggle books banned in Tucson back into Arizona. Uh, he is the lead writer and editor for the textbook, The Mexican-American Studies Toolkit. He is also an educational consultant for school districts implementing innovative curriculum, and he currently resides in Houston, where he continues to fight for intellectual freedom and freedom of speech. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tony Diaz. Thanks a lot. And actually, you guys are part of all that intro. I get one to chime in and be like, yeah, yeah, So, A, it's it's A, it's a, a pleasure to have you. Uh, the flip side, like, I'm always sitting next Contact, to you uh, doing interviews, but like this time, you're in the revenge. hot seat. I yeah, get the revenge, the and I get to put <laughs> Listen, you in the hot Mueller. seat. Listen, <laughs> Mueller. I tell white lies. <laughs> and and so, like, opportunity wise, like, I think the what we were talking about earlier in terms of like what does that balancing look like and, and putting all those things. I think like Tony's work and and the trajectory of your. Uh, career as a writer like I think speaks volumes to like what that all looks like um because you're constantly for me it, it seems as though you're constantly reinventing the way that that creative voice needs to be out in the public sphere whether it be in a traditional academic literary book or if the the, the pulse needs to move to that next uh space to house that writing um I think all of that that um work has been utterly important. So I guess the first question, well, A, um, if you have something to read, um, we can take, uh, uh, we'll give you the time to read the piece. Um, and then we'll go with we'll the questions. We'll yeah. chat it up afterwards. Yeah. Your so, call. You're, you're, it's your yeah. show. We'll, uh, so <laughs> we'll do what you tell me. We'll, yeah, go ahead. Let's, let's hear so something. So let's hear, yeah. Then, what, um, we'll a piece from, from you. Um, and you can preface it as necessary. And then you can let us know where, where this piece is, um, and we'll go from there. And since we're on Inkwell and with podcasts, we should point out, so we're on three mics, computer, <laughs> a phone over here. Now, is that camera recording too, or is I it just visual? Josh, is that camera? Yeah, and there's a camera it's recording, And then there's Audio. a camera behind you also. Oh, see, this is, this is like a whole... <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole people. <laughs> FBI, because I've only been performing to the humans in the room. <laughs> now I realize I must perform yeah, right? to the viewers. <laughs> Around the world. <laughs> and the people looking at the back of my head. Right. You know. And it's a nice bright day too. <laughs> On top of all that. Right. So, hey, it's thrilling to convene with you guys. And as, as I dive into this, this is why we do it. Because we cool. We fly. Estamos yeah. listos. And we got a think tank. That's really it. I mean, uh, it really is beautiful to get to hang out with you both. On a Monday morning. Monday morning. Monday Spring, morning. Break. <laughs> Spring, Spring break. Spring break. <laughs> to talk smack, talk deep. But this is what we've been doing. It's fun. Right. We're blessed to be able to act on it. And that's really it. We, we are cultural accelerators. We yeah. kind of keep playing with the idea. So here you are coming back. Tell us about what happened at AWP. Yeah. You've got your books coming out. you got your book coming out. I mean, so we are the intelligentsia now. And I think we're mm, we the keepers. We are the keepers of, <laughs> of the knowledge. You know? so, so here we are. But I, I guess what I want to add to it is that we, all we've done is demanded a universe that we envision. Uh, we've enjoyed doing it and we've surrounded by, we surrounded ourselves with people that also want that beautiful universe as well. So, you know, so on that note, I'm going to talk about someone evil. So, uh, <laughs> so, so uh, you know what, we're talking about how do you, how do you balance the writing act? So for me, every year I kind of give myself different, um, um, 
New Year's resolutions. Like some are secret, some are just to improve myself. Some are, the, you know, it's the praxis too, right? So this year, one was to put out a column on. Um, I said, you know, I'm just going to write essays this year. I'm, post, I'm pushing myself. So now I, I post a column every Monday on the Cultural Accelerator at the blog for the website that I build. And I build websites. It's TonyDiaz.net. So this one, and these are issues, as you know, you know what it's like. I mean, even for spaces that are we're comfortable with, we're just always pushing and having to push. Right. The and necessity of the day is. Right? Yeah. So it's like there's, there's topics that aren't covered or aren't covered the right way or that. No one else has to come. Nobody, yeah. Or gets. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. So um, here's one from uh, two weeks back. Uh, and so it posted on uh, the Cultural Accelerator at 20ds.net. Is Ted Cruz even Hispanic? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> like that needs and, the tweeting, <laughs> and the tweeting begins. <laughs> Is Ted Cruz even Hispanic? The only senator to vote against simply talking about immigration recently was... Ted Cruz. Let that sink in. The lone voice, the lone senator to oppose simply talking about, not voting on, not implementing, just plain discussing plans that might work was Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz. This is especially troubling because the fate of the dreamers through DACA was on the table. That's one part of the complex issue of immigration that deserved discussion. Why would I expect Cruz to at least vote to talk about it? Well, of course, Cruz has a Spanish surname. In the old identity politics, Latino or Chicano politicians were expected to support or at least get involved in some particular issues to represent the hopes and dreams of the community. Obviously, not every candidate has to adhere to specific policies because of his or her possible ethnic background. That's why I haven't asked this about Ted Cruz before. It's always been clear that Ted Cruz is not someone that Chicanos, Latinos, or Latinxes can count on for anything. Mm. (laughs) However, after Cruz's blocking of DACA, not only does the issue need to be addressed, but this also reveals a lot about the new identity politics under Donald Trump and the future identity politics of the Republican Party. What makes the situation worse is that regardless of his ethnicity, Ted Cruz is turning his back on families who are suffering because of our nation's broken immigration system. However, his family directly benefited from that same system. We can pause there and let people go on their own. They can go... Find it. Um, I'm sure. TonyDiaz.net. TonyDiaz.net. And then get, and see, so yay, beautiful Thank you for that. No, by all means. That's, man. So, but I think that, that even to, to be able to put that out there, nobody's, you're right. Nobody's covering what is a question that we are having, you know, over cafe at different spaces here in the state, why that kind of a thing is, is relevant. For all intents and purposes, uh, Cruz is not Texas-based. He went to school in the area, didn't grow up. He's No, his dad's from Cuba, migrated right. to... I guess that's why I assumed Florida, because I knew his parents were Cuba. <laughs> so I just well, they went to Canada. So yeah, they went to Canada. Canada. He was born in Canada. Um, his dad's a minister. But like all of this conversation... like needs to be the 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 conversation of the day. People write books about different politicians after that politician has, you know, 
passed away or is older or is retired or whatever, but in the day of the work that's being done work, quote unquote, by some of the politicians, there's never lots of stuff out there uh, um, in in full form and essay format to discuss what is it that they're actually doing or not doing. Well, so I think it's a fair look at the and, way you break and, it And down. I think what is crazy is that we do have a new identity politics. Yes. So it's not gone. Yeah. It's just radically transformed. So you have this interesting election where you do have, I mean, uh, George Prescott Bush, right. George P. Bush was called the little brown one right. by the elder George Bush. <laughs> and he, he's a little tan like me. Right. <laughs> so it's interesting that he doesn't claim being Latino mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to. So there's a certain privilege in that. And of course, obviously, we as intellectuals know that you don't have to ascribe to any, any really thing, particular right. list of things. But to me, we're being very deep in an era where we just named two individuals who are going to benefit from not having to talk about it, while our communities have to define if they're citizens or not, right. yeah. their families get torn apart. So to me, we, we we can't give them a pass, which goes back to what you said earlier yeah. too. It's like, if we're the only, you know, if we're the only ones that can see this happening, right? Maybe we're the ones that got to do it, right? Right, and, it, and that, that's that necessary voice that needs to be out there. Which brings me to first question: um, This April marks the twentieth anniversary. 20 years Dios santo. Of, of Nuestra Palabra Latino writers having their say. And for those of you that are not in Texas and you're listening to this podcast, um, I can say at least for myself that the benefit of having this organization literally is the launching point for my writing career. Mine too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Mine too. Mine too. It made it, um, it made me begin to take it more seriously. Just going to the open mics at, Avant Garden, formerly Helios, formerly, formerly the Mausoleum, the mausoleum. <laughs> um, and doing that. And I actually chased after Lupe at one of those. Oh, yeah. Open now mic, it's getting uh, good. Open is, they really are being nice to each <laughs> and, other. <laughs> but no, and, and the first book festival, which wasn't in your bio, makes me kind of sad because those, those Latino book family fair festival. Latino book and family festival. LBFFs um, were huge. I mean, 30,000 people at the George R. Brown Convention Center, huge authors. Larger um, than where, the Texas It's where book I festival. met Juno Diaz the first time and he went and had dinner with me and my parents. And, That's so cool. You know, it's amazing. And that really like propelled me to say, hey, I can do this. Mi gente, we write, we're being seen and we're being heard. Um, so that brings up the question yeah. in terms of, in did you... Well, a two-part question. A, did you imagine that in 20 years this is what Nesta Palabra would look like? Uh, And B, why 20 years ago did you see – like how did you see this starting? What was the necessity of having Nesta Palabra be a thing? Like, Well, I always envisioned it. I just thought it would take like two months. (laughs) (laughs) Third month, we'll do something else. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then we're done. That next, <laughs> you know. But I, I think the other the other part too is that uh, you kind you touched on it too, uh, uh, Lupe. In that we as the intelligentsia really really do have to have our pulse, but we also have to keep pushing the envelope, right? Because I mean, you mentioned all the wonderful things about nuestra palabra, which I totally you know I, I, I feel that, and I, I feel it for myself and and all of us, verdad? Right. However. Again, let's put it in context. At the beginning of Nuestra Palabra, 
Actually, for that huge book fair, we didn't have an, we didn't have a face. Facebook didn't exist. No, there was no, no social media. It was all flyers no and in the newspaper. No we used to do mail out. Mail outs. outs. Okay. Yeah. I remember sitting there doing the mail outs. Now, and people were saying, we're used to that. How about this? There used to be a newspaper called the Houston Press at that time. Oh, that's right. Uh, La Voz was hard copy. Right. Yes, uh, we had writers from LA Weekly. That's uh, right. We were talked about in LA Weekly. Right, right, right. Um, there was a bookstore called Borders. Yeah. So oh, when the government man. said they were going to close the borders, I didn't realize they, <laughs> they meant, meant the bookstore. <laughs> wrong borders. <laughs> right. Uh, so I, I mentioned all that, and that, and in fact, I remember. At one of our book fairs, I was so excited because I went to talk a pot- to a potential sponsor named Enron. <gasps> oh, wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so I, I bring this all up because we are fly, but we've, we've averted many burning bridges. Because, mm. um, so, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest with you, too. Like, you know, every month I'll allow myself seven minutes of self-doubt and fear, right? Seven right. minutes, that's it? Yeah. That's awesome. Seven you minutes know? every hour in my brain. <laughs> <You know? laughs> you know? And in some of those, I'm like, well, why didn't we become a traditional nonprofit in a big building? Right. Well, we couldn't. You know, I mean, one quick note, you know, it's hard to get sponsorships for a group of book smugglers. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> to be like, we're giving you a check to do what? Yeah. <laughs> and and to be, so anybody books? who, the funny part, like Tony makes the joke, but like to everybody who's out there, we have verified at least four of the the eight running members of Nuestra Palabra. Like we have FBI files like started on the stuff that we've done and not for anything else, but like providing books to public through different means and but like yeah like what what was that linchpin that was like okay I got to do this I'm going to create this organization and whatever this is even if it's a hot mess I'm I'm going to you know I'm going to make this sure that this happens what was that was there a day where we're like boom I'm doing this yeah I think if people are listening they get why I always wanted to, to write and create so they get that yeah. um I think what I would add to the picture is that it's very uh uh, fortunate for me that I, I was bringing the Chicago organizing background ah. to this Houston cultural hub. Right. And I I could then contrast the difference, but I was also learning basically advanced rhetorical strategies. You know, at the, at the writing program, I think uh, I do want to make a plug for all the liberal arts and writing. It's like I didn't go to get a manual on how to get a job. Mm-hmm. Right. It was cool to say, oh, wow, all this stuff works like this and apply it to many things. Right. And when I came to Houston, I got to see the contrasting ways cities organize. Right. And then there was just this beautiful, deep bench of cultura. And Houston was at the right place. I think it's interesting that, you know, we're in the we're imprint. You got imprint that's several decades old, Arte Publico Press, several decades old, Center for Mexican American Studies, several decades old. I mean, they came together. If, they, if those entities didn't have the... Um, the actual capital to put together scholarships at the yeah. writing program, I wouldn't have come or stayed. Damn. So I think it was I think it was that writer sensibility right. uh, that put it all together. That that rasa, you know, I, do I got to sell oranges? Or do I, <laughs> right, you know what right, I'm right. Rasquachismo, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, all yeah, coming yeah, together, yeah, yeah. and then the universe delivered beautiful things. Like I mean. Doing those book fairs emboldened us, I believe, right? Because it was dope. Like it was awesome. Here we're told that our community doesn't like books, that we're dropouts, that it won't work, and we'd be like, 
I think it will. I think we can do it. (laughs) And and for those that are that like a little bit of a history lesson, um, between Tony, check uh, the years 2004 to 2009, 2005 to 2010. I got it. I got all this stuff in my garage. <laughs> so for about a, 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 Early good, a good five years, um, because of Nuestra Palabra, we were able to put on um, book festivals in the city of Houston. You that, helped organize 300 volunteers. <laughs> yes, man. I did. Um, did. That was larger than the largest book festival that's still out today, the Texas Book Festival. At the time and at the height of, of the Latino Book and Family Festival, it was massive. Like, we mm-hmm. took up the whole George R. Brown I mean, we had Jorge tonight. Ramos come in one year, Marilena Costa. That was dope. And, by, by the way, now, oh. now I, I want to ride the endorphins of joy. However, right, right. <laughs> let me temper it because people do ask what happened. Well, right. the publishing industry got ravaged. The economy yeah. got ravaged. And, you know, we, we did tap into that, but we're always still avoiding and the you, burning building. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting that you bring that up because it's something that I've been thinking about actually since AWP because the question came up in one of the panels about, oh, well, you know, we see that there's like these Latino publishing houses or magazines or lit journals that happen and then they fade out. And the, one of the panelists responded like, I think it's okay if something doesn't last forever, right? Like what if it has its moment in time, it exists, then you archive it, you can go back and say this happened. But what I think is wonderful, even though, yes, we were all super sad at like, you know, the, the festival just you know stopped happening and we also had hurricanes which disrupted a couple of, of, <laughs> of having of flashbacks so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no more re-traumatization no no Sorry. not at all but that's so, deep yeah. yeah it's real but I, I what I love about your work Tony too is the fact that you have really like embodied that idea of like changing with the times you know like you seeing the need in the community and saying I'm gonna change and maybe it's because you're not we're not like a fully formed like nonprofit that have to like you know, adhere kind of adhere to, to a board and what they want. You just said, screw it. We need to smuggle books back. We're going to smuggle it back. No more festival. Let's smuggle some books. Hey, I need to be on this TV show to talk about these political issues and write these essays instead of fiction. That's the urgency. Like I really, I, I applaud you for seeing the urgency in our community and doing what you do best with writing and, and literature and your voice to like elevate that and to bring it to the forefront of like what we need at the time. So that brings up the next question. Let him respond. Oh, he was going to respond. <laughs> Tony, please respond. Sorry. So glad you're here, Jasmine. <laughs> no. Well, I'm and, and, and glad you bring up because actually too, I mean, um, you know, five books down the line, what I do want to write about is cultural capital mm-hmm. and describe kind of what you're saying is that mm-hmm. we're blessed to be cultural accelerators mm-hmm. because we're living in short amount of times with generations of Rasa are not privileged to or don't even realize they're experiencing. And we've also, we push things to capacity. So we take those book fairs and we're like, let's drive this car. (laughs) And then the tires start falling off and we're like, whoa. (laughs) Do we fix the tire or wait? Over there is a spaceship. Let's get on that. Let's get on that spaceship. Uh, Because we can lament it. The the other thing I I do want to throw in there though is, it's the same thing that got us started is that we realize we have to do it and we have to archive it. So let me also put, let me also interject is that even as Nuestra Palabra transforms to these other things, uh, our radio broadcast with the radio show will be archived at the University of Houston Digital Library. Right. Um, our hard copy work for Nuestra Palabra is housed at the Houston Public Library. And yo, we can walk into classrooms and teach us stuff all the time. So it, I, I think it is yeah. this fascinating balancing act mm-hmm. 
that we're in, but what we as artists are built for and our community is used to that, but not thriving with it. So everything we used to do to just survive will not help us thrive. Yo, insights. I'm sorry. I'm you, you not, I get excited and ask a ton of questions. Okay. When did you figure out to start, I don't know, for lack of a better word, start paying attention to the leaves in the tea? Like, when did you start being able to, to be one step ahead of. Is that like a real metaphor? Is that like a thing? I don't know. <laughs> no, like, he just coined it. No, no, like, just like, coined it. Like, like, reading tea leaves and stuff, right? Like, isn't that a thing? Like, some people actually don't, don't look at me like some I'm crazy. Some people read the, the, the taza de cafe. Okay, well, other people read tea leaves, I thought. <laughs> Never mind. Somebody catch me later on that. Um, but, like, and, I, and I'll use this as an example. In the, in the time that we were doing uh, the, the live showcases, we were a whale-oiled machine. And then, you know, one day Tony walks in and was like, hey, we're going to do a book festival. And then we're like, what the hell? And there were how many people in that room at the time? I, but like seven of us. <laughs> yeah, like seven, seven people us, are going to Seven of us are doing a book festival. And then we're doing the book festivals. Book we're doing the book festivals. We did like the first two. And then Tony's like, hey, we're going to do a radio show on KPFT. And we're like, what the fuck? How did, how did we get here? We were always like, how did we get here? And then we're doing the, the radio show. And it's like, hey, uh, this shit's happening in Arizona. Uh, switch gears. And we switched gears. But like- where like how was that something you were always hustling with like is this go goes back to like the time when you were in chicago and like you know doing everything you were doing to get to this point like because i i suck at it like i look at them like oh that is really that's an awful thing maybe i should write about hmm let me think <laughs> about like i think way too hard like way too much on a thing before i act and every time before i can even take a breath like you've always invented something else that like is necessary on point and and like doable. And so like where does that energy come from? Well, and think what I would like to add and thank you both cuz you're part of this think tank that has made all this possible yeah. because we've had I mean, I'm so glad that listeners can share these moments with us cuz we've had years of cool yeah. talks like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With geniuses. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, so sitting with Dagoberto Gill and right. just you know, talking smack. The other thing I want to add too, because I don't want to just make it, I don't want people to take it for granted what we do because right. we've also had concrete manifestations that we're right and the world is wrong and right. we have to do it. And one quick one, and I won't make it so heavy or political. One quick example though um, is that I remember you, you asked about the book fairs. Um, it's funny because at one moment, one big piece of that was getting the George R. Brown Convention Center. Yeah. And that had kind of come up. There's, I'll leave some parts out, but the key one that ties in what we're saying is Richard Reyes, Pancho Claus. Yeah, ah. we he asked us to go from Chapultepec Restaurant to TBH. Right. So then we get to TBH, beautiful theater, etc. And we would just shoot the breeze like we're doing now and talk smack and dream and you know, and we could count on each other and come through. So at one point he said, "Hey." I have access to the George R. Brown. I wanted to do this hip hop show, this breakdance show. Yeah. Right? And he goes, what? But, but we couldn't do it. But just so you know, it's there. And I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. But there was nothing to, to, put to it link in into it. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, later on, of course, and we had hosted our first year anniversary with, with, was with all our crew, Edward <laughs> James Almost, yeah. with the book uh, Americanos Latino Life in the US. Yeah. So that relationship had kind of percolated where they were doing the book fair. So, you know, 100 steps later, all of a sudden, it's like, wait, we can get the George Brown for free if we team up with 
poncho clause. And of course, there's a lot of elected officials at the time who are down with what we're doing anyway. Right, right, right. So it kind of comes together. So I kind of say it is about reading the tea leaves. It is reading. Right. I mean, but also this cultural capital mm-hmm. that we have, you know, we may not be billionaires of capital, but we're billionaires in cultural capital. That's true. And we've learned to invest it, liquidate it, and live on the dividends. You know? that's, that's I saw awesome. the economics. And I'm like, I read what books. did I tune into? <laughs> what show is this? Uh, welcome is to this the right show. Your Latino financial show. <laughs> Latino literary financial consultations. Forget so, Bitcoin. I got a little Bitcoin. A little bit. <laughs> Call the number at the bottom of the screen. <laughs> um, so, and then okay. So for your own practice in terms of of writing, switching gears. That was my question. Oh, okay. well, I have a question. About we'll go that. since you. What's have- it like? What What's it been like? And I don't know how long ago or what if you continue to write fiction, but like moving your brain from fiction to like essays and more like political, like op eds and things like that. Because um, yeah, I know I struggle with that between poetry and memoir. So, but what has been like? What has it been like for you? You know, the best thing I've learned is how to focus my obsessive compulsiveness <laughs> and my wandering imagination because really? I'm like, my brain is always... Oh, I know. You you behave that way. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I thought I hit it. <laughs> like, no, you don't hide it. I just learned to kind of... Mm-hmm. So actually, I was kind of wired for that. Um, and even now, as you're talking, you mentioned the TV show. Mm-hmm. Really, I'm just writing like, you know... <laughs> Uh, metaphors and similes, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Nice. And I really feel like I'm taking advantage of everyone else on the TV show because they're not as good at it as I am. Like, <laughs> you know, awesome. so, sometimes I'm like, yo, I got to write some lines for these Republicans. Man. Right, right, right. Say this against me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So I was wired for that. You know? um, do you, I think one of the things that has always interested me, especially is that uh, Tony's trajectory shows because there's always this conversation that was like okay you have an mfa aside from teaching and writing a book what else can you do and i think like seeing how you've been able to use uh even the opportunities you had through the the work done through the mfa and then all the stuff that you've been able to do after like you're a prime example of what the hell you could do once you're out and doing this thing, because there's always this fear in the heads of of folks that have an MFA, this that dissuades people from even going to get an MFA. Like you are working at a level and doing amazing things that have that that aren't what people would consider. Like this is what an MFA, you know, pipe in my hand teaching college <laughs> classes, like corduroy that, jacket, corduroy jacket, <laughs> academia. Like it, it's Cover it's mine. not right. <laughs> And it, it's not I like that the same. Jacket. <laughs> it's a very spiffy jacket, y'all, but it doesn't have any the pad things on the elbows. Um, but so, like, like how, when was there a moment in which you got the MFA that you were like, okay, now, you know, all bets are off and I can move forward and do something else? Or did you? Well, what did you originally feel like you? Well, could coming do? from Chicago, I can always recognize a racket. So right away, I'm like, hey. yo, this writing game's a racket. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm it. like, and I ain't built for it. Nah. Nice. But but also let me add something too to all our brothers and sisters in MFA programs. You got to do what we're doing, which is 50 different things at once because yeah. those doors are closing. So professors, the robots are here for your jobs. <laughs> you know, maybe your parents trained the younger kids for the jobs they're going to take. What you did is you programmed your online classes and there's cultural content that belongs to the schools. In a few years, they'll take that. They'll only, I mean, in a few years, uh, just look at what the 
for-profit colleges do for M- for MBAs. They basically teach the same cookie cutter class. Right. Uh, they will then push to make sure that most colleges, which is a bastion for people to run with their MFAs, it won't be because right. they will only need a few. They will need fewer. They'll teach more online classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, private universities will, will always be rich with the one percent, but you know the six Latinos they hire that jobs that jobs book. So I mention it a little bit because I mean I always knew that we were outside the castle. Right. But it's like, hey, there's a lot of cool stuff all around the castle. Heck yeah. <laughs> and that's dope. Yeah, moats and so- dragons. <laughs> moats and dragons. <laughs> People with swords. I like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yo. Okay, so folks, you've been listening to Inkwell uh, as we are interviewing Tony Diaz. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm being nice. Being nice. No, whoever was out there that told us that we needed to be nice to each other, Jasmine just ruined I it. Did. Oh, I lasted this whole time, though. It was like a good 45 minutes. What, do you want a cookie for being nice? <laughs> I do. That's how you know the way that works. I do. I'm so, Dominican. That's you, hard. <laughs> Madre Santa. You've been listening to Inkwell, and we are uh, with Tony Diaz as we shoot the shit over amazingness. We get to cuss on this show, by the nice. way, Tony. Nice. Um, and the reason no, Tony Diaz come up is because it is the 20th anniversary. Yeah, for Mr. Palabra. We're going to have a huge showcase. He's going to tell us a little bit more about it when we come back. And uh, we've got some lightning round. I almost said lightning rod. Lightning round <laughs> questions. We have lightning rod questions. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, when we come back, uh, we'll do lightning round questions and uh, have Send a good home. time. Hey, Josh, at some point, the little jingle, can we get like a full-on lightning bolt sound? Yeah. Oh. Sweet. So uh, we'll be back with our lightning round questions. And relampago. And we're back. For our lightning round, relampago. I like that. We just call it relampago. relampago. Our segment, el relampago. (laughs) All right, Um, so I'm going to ask you a question. That was my wrestling name. That was your wrestling name? (laughs) Dang. Antony wrestles. He didn't put that in the bio. I don't know why you didn't put that in the bio. Um, Okay, so lightning round questions. These are the most serious questions of any interview. You have to answer these. With as much sincerity and honesty, these are the deep root questions. Text my lawyer. Text, text your damn lawyer. Um, Go for it. Let's okay, the only rules for these: I'm going to ask you these questions, and quick response. To, quick response. You have a minute to answer each question. Like you can't. I think you it's have, too with, generous with that. I, I guess say thirty seconds. Within the sixty seconds, we get all questions. You're saying. No, no. Oh. It's one. It's like one minute per question. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Spotlight. Like a tweet. On. Like a tweet. <laughs> tweet. <laughs> tweet. Like a tweet. All right. So uh, question number one, number of articles you've written. Jesus, uh, hundreds. Uh, coldest temperature you've ever lived in. I'm from Chicago, fool. What do you think, but, but man? Get coldest temperature. Birds were freezing out of the air. <laughs> my tears froze in my eyes before they so came wait, out. Was it ever like negative? My stomach was like ice cream, bro. Stop. <laughs> wait a minute. So like, I used to be a paper boy. I used to be a petroleum allocator in that winter. I was a human thermometer. I could tell you when it got to 20 <laughs> degrees and Stop. it didn't hurt till it got to 10. What? Can you handle service. the cold when you go back to Chicago now? Not anymore, now? no. <laughs> no. He, he told me once. Tony told me once that he was like, my blood's thin, yo. I can't go back. You seriously can't go I back? I can't. Home? No, no. Even now, yeah. like, you're like, my body you- got over it. Like, you, we don't have to do that? <laughs> like, like, you chose to do that? <laughs> Wait, was that first winter here, like, really difficult? No, it was like- It was oh, those summers. The oh, summers. Yeah. I thought those were yeah. Texas tall tales. But no, it's real. Like, they, under, they actually undersold it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm like, what? Um, first Latino story and or book you ever read? 
Easy. Pity Thomas down these mean streets handed to me as a junior in college. So when, college. when you guys are out there giving babies books by Latinos, that's beautiful. because Our whole library is brown people. Your, ba- your, <laughs> our, your baby's baby hearing is, it. Yeah. Yeah. out of the womb. Yeah, right? That's yeah. beautiful. Pity yeah. Thomas, really, that's, that's dope. And before that, nothing, right? I think that's the story of so many of us. I think somebody needs to write about that, like that moment yeah. you first got. That should be like an essay in an anthology collection. The so, first, like your first and what that idea. moment, you everybody's know, like, first yeah, everybody's first, like I'm memoir. gonna do that. I'm saying it now. Don't anybody take that idea. <laughs> it was my idea. Uh, my cultural my capital. Idea. First of all, <laughs> first of all, don't be making faces. It's niceness. I said it Sorry. first. Whatever. This um, will be planted at court one day. <laughs> this, <laughs> you see, my client clearly. <laughs> Gave up copyright. Tony, who's uh, that's the next question. Whose side are you going to take whenever this does go to court? The baby. <laughs> Good answer. Good I just answer. care Good about answer. the well-being of the baby. <laughs> oh, damn it. Next um, question. Best interview you've ever done. This is the best interview <laughs> ever. No, this is Mostly because of the love between you two. I got between them both. If you can't watch this, they're both hugging between me. Like I got one and I'm in the middle of their big old hug. And I'm rubbing Mendes, the baby. Mendes sandwich. <laughs> but no, like interview you've held, like oh. you're interviewing someone. Like what's the, what's, is there one that like sticks out for you that was like memorable? You know, I mean, I'd have to say just being blessed. This is a Chicano renaissance when I can read Sandra Cisneros' work, Dagoberto's work, and then interview them. Those two would have to be, those were moments. Again, I, I, I said earlier, I don't want to play. I'm privileged where I've gotten to see, we've gotten to see that we're right and the universe is wrong. Right, and right. A right, moment right, like right. that, I'm yeah. like, that's what's up. Yeah. I know? still like get chills when I think about the fact that Juno Diaz was there at the book festival literally like maybe a couple months before he won the Pulitzer. That and was we, crazy. And that was crazy. Dope. That was dope. We were like, we just had him here. He's amazing. And so. Well, and that, that was, was and that was the second time we had that him That was the down. second time. Yeah. Exactly. Because we had it out. He like, yeah, that was, man, it feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. He's coming back. He has a children's book, which is amazing. But anyway, okay. Oh, next question. question. Uh, okay, uh, okay. First job you've ever held. In um, lit, we're in the lit world. Let me rephrase that. First job you ever had in the lit world. Well, I guess when I got accepted at the University of Houston, they told me I was a um, a assistant. Um, what do they call it? At assistant Te- professor, teaching assistant, teaching assistant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Teaching assistant. Yeah. and I just heard the assistant part. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, so I got to do my. So you know, I'm like, wow. I guess I'll get wine for the professor and create some essays. <laughs> Go get some lunch. <laughs> First week, they're like, bring your bring your syllabi. Next time we meet, I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Why, why would I need to bring a syllabi? Oh, you're teaching. If I'm the, the assistant, assistant. <laughs> the, 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 like no, you're like, teaching the class. Yeah. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> That's really? Awesome. Like, no way. So what did you teach that, that first? Was composition one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's what they give the teacher. So, yeah, what I did is first day, I'm like, welcome to class. Y'all writing a novel? Because <laughs> that's all I know. Get your paper out. <laughs> Get started. Here's your first line. Let's go. I'll be over here reading. <laughs> that's awesome. Let me know when you're done. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what, was, what was your first job ever? That I do want to know. Was it the paper boy? I guess Paperboy, um, I was Paperboy, but also when I was a junior in high school, I lied about my age and got a job as a petroleum allocator at the gas station. Full service. Full service at Tulsa Power Service, south side of Chicago. Wow. Nice. Petroleum allocator. Does that mean you pump people's gas? Exactly. Petroleum <laughs> <laughs> allocator. That's, that's called the soap. In the cold, too? Like you- oh, man, yeah. yeah. <gasps> Full service. People would roll their window down like two centimeters. <laughs> 
and then hand you money. Ten, ten no lead. I'm like, yeah, you get nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, last time you ever got into a fist fight? Last time? Now that I'm all grown up, <laughs> I'm not sure what you're talking hey! about. He doesn't have a Mendes. good image for his son. First of all, let me, for those of you that don't know, the 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 South Side Chicago Tony um. occasionally pops up. Well, I've seen a couple of discussions that we've had just to like try to get stuff done that ne- that was necessary. Where I've seen like that old school Tony pop up, which is like really impressive because it's like, oh damn, he's so rude. Now, now of course nowadays, then I'll check my deductible first. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Now he just tweets about it. If somebody makes him upset, he just tweets. But I, I will say this, though. I mean, in, in all seriousness, since we're having too much joy, I'll bring it down, boy. Yes, uh, bring it down. I always, I, I never really enjoy the outsider perspective, right. you know, because I think it's a trap. Right. And also, too, I am blessed because, no, I got friends that, you know, uh, got, you know, baseball bats across the head and stuff like that. So, so I mean, in a parallel universe... You know, I'm splattered across some pavement somewhere, right. and I'm glad I dodged that and, you know, uh, was able to, 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 instead of my broad shoulders, you'd my broader imagination. So Ooh, I like that. We should end I like that. that. All right, we're going to end there. Uh, instead of my broad shoulders, my broader imagination. Punto final. I see. Right? I see. Yeah. Uh, folks, you've been listening to- He improv- wasn't going to listen to you, too. I know. Right. Like, no, I got another question. That was the right spot. Well, that's, that's where we're- Okay, done. I scratched it out. <laughs> um, so, folks, you've been listening to Inkwell. Uh, we've had Tony Diaz on air, on air, uh, on the cast with us. Um, Can you share with quickly some details about the NP Showcase coming up? It is the 20th anniversary, Wednesday, April 25th, 2018, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's free, featuring some brilliant writers who, who are NP Familia. They got books published like Jasmine Mendez, Lupe Mendez. And a ton of other folks. A ton of other folks, Lady Contreras, Leslie Contreras. Of course, we're going to acknowledge our Familia Tintero projects because that is Yay! also part of Nuestra Palabra. That's the next generation. We're like the grandkid. That's right. Yeah, the older grandkid. <laughs> the older grandkid. <laughs> Always new voices. Uh, people go to nuestrapalabra.org to get details, but they also have the radio show every Tuesday at 90.1 FM KPFT. And if you're online, you can actually go to uh, kpft.org and click the listen live and you can hear us on Tuesdays, uh, Central Time for the radio show. Uh, if folks want to get in touch with you, Tony, where where can folks get a hold of you? They go to TonyDiaz.net, and uh, if they click through, it'll come through to me. And I built that website as That's well. That's awesome. And then the show on Fox 26 is Sundays, 7 a.m. It's live, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central Time. People who actually go on, Fox, on the Fox 26 Facebook page if they're not in uh, – Houston, and uh, you can jump in. They, but get ready though. <laughs> the comments section is oh, exactly no. what, you what you expect. Real yeah, yeah, so un cafecito, tranquilitos, namaste, like, and then look at or just watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and te- text me some cool lines to say. <laughs> so dopeness. Um, you've been listening to Inkwell. Uh, we've had Tony on as a guest. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Tony, for being. Thank with you, guys, us. familia. Thank you. Have a and, good one. Uh, we'll talk soon. Gracias. Thank you for listening to Inkwell, a collaboration between Tintero Projects and Imprint in Houston, Texas, a city with a wellspring of literary activity. Inkwell is hosted by Jasmine and Lupe Mendez of Tintero Projects, produced by Kristen Flack, Rich Levy, and Krupa Parikh of Imprint, and recorded, engineered, and edited by Josh Walker with 150 Media House. 
Inkwell is made possible by a grant from the City of Houston through the Houston Arts Alliance and Imprint's other generous supporters. For more information, visit imprinthouston.org or tinteroprojects.wordpress.com. For feedback on this and future episodes, email inkwell at imprinthouston.org. We also invite listeners near and far to attend our readings and workshops. Until next time, keep reading and keep writing.